Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 109. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. Hello everyone. And also we have a third person on today. We have Sidin Vadukut who is the managing editor at LifeMint.com and one of his Twitteratis from India. Hello everyone. I will speak in very short sentences through the course of this podcast. <laughs> one of the reasons that we have been um, with us is uh, because of the Delhi Fox story that we have been talking about. And also, Sidin, you are coming out with a, you, you have written a book and um, when, when is it going to be out now? Yes, indeed. First of all, thank you for, you know, sort of bringing me on show number 109 and giving me another shameless opportunity to plug the book. But no, the book comes out, the book comes out on January 30th. It goes on sale in Delhi on January 30th. Provided, you know, in the spirit of this podcast, provided the fog doesn't slow it down, like, but um, it yeah. comes out on January 30th, it should go, it should be available the rest of the country, I think, a week from then. So, mm-hmm. like, fifth, tenth, fingers crossed, it should be available everywhere. What's the book all about? Speaking to a constraint of 140 characters per sentence. But anyway, see, the book is, the book is the first in a trilogy of novels I'm writing for Penguin. Uh, and I, I don't think I've actually uh, sort of elaborated this anywhere else in public before, but the idea is to use the trilogy to sort of outline the protagonist's career from management trainee to CEO. Uh, Essentially, that's the idea. I don't want to give it out because uh, the, the tone of the book and everything, we sort of want to keep it um, under wraps for another another couple of weeks. Uh-huh. But um, the, it, it basically sort of chronicles. Yeah, that's the best word. It chronicles his career from first job to uh, wherever it goes. The caveat being it's not a serious business book. I mean, it's complete tongue-in-cheek, sort of cynical uh-huh. look at the workplace and working and so on. Yeah, I don't expect anything else from you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And that's a compliment, huh, by the way. No, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I want people to, you know, say, what a silly book. And I, I know most authors don't like it, but I'd be totally thrilled if somebody said, you know, what a completely silly book. And I'd be very happy. Yeah, are you sure your publishers are okay with you saying this out in the media? See, okay, let me put it, put it this way. If you look at the average book that Penguin brings out, <laughs> oh, I see a cheap shot coming up. <laughs> Dork is the entire antithesis, okay? I mean, if you were to go through, look at any sort of uh, average book that comes out of Penguin Books India, it's just a complete antithesis. So I think everybody is happy that the book is taken as sillyly, humorously, as lightly as possible. So I think they'll be very happy. Oh, great. It's like a comic relief that Penguin was maybe looking out for and you've plugged that in for them. So it works for them too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody at Penguin sitting, oh my God, how do we get people to not take this book seriously at all? <laughs> yeah, but that's great. Congratulations because Penguin itself is a pretty big brand. So good to know that you're, it's being published by Penguin. So good luck with the book. Thank you. At the end of the day, it makes good. It's, it's a good career CV point, you know, to put it in engineering college terms. A good CV point. Yeah, are you like the fourth blogger who has now published a book or something? I have no idea. I mean, I don't keep a track of this, but I know that uh, 2009 and 2010 are sort of big years for blogger books. There's Amit Verma's book came out, Meenashi Reddy Madhavan's book came out. I know that uh, Falstaff's book came out. Gatebound's uh, book is coming out almost a month after uh, my book comes out. I think some, roughly a month after my book comes out. So yeah, there's a lot of action. I mean, I don't want to blow it out of proportion and go all uh, mainstream media about it and say it's a trend. Mm-hmm. But yes, there's a lot of bloggers who are writing books. No, it's it really logical if you think about it. It'll be interesting to read uh, how a blogger writes a book because generally authors start their blog after writing the book to pimp their 
books or the other way around nowadays it's really i mean i started um, i think a lot of us especially a lot of the new bloggers and author guys actually sort of learn their writing and polish their skills and so on on the blogging i mean for example i owe all my writing and my book writing career to the blog it's turned it's on it's ever happening in the west as well so i think it's a little bit of a global phenomenon and then the, and, and then the movie deals will also follow absolutely absolutely in fact i have already lined up lawyers to make sure that you know if and when absolutely <laughs> I think you got to do that now. Now you were actually going to talk, talk about the Chetan Bhagat story later, but I think it's the right time to bring it in right now. Yeah. So if you have been connected to the internet or watching the TV in any ways, I'm pretty sure you have heard about this. Chetan yeah. Bhagat and uh, you know the Three Idiots production team got into a big tussle. Chetan Bhagat said a lot of the movie is taken from his uh, book Five Point Someone, and he hasn't been given a credit appropriately. It's towards the end, and he has not received his due. Does that hurt a lot now, Sidin, with you being a writer and all? Will that hurt you a lot? It hurts everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a writer or not. I mean, uh, it's bad for any creative culture to not be able to protect its intellectual property properly. It's bad for any creative society. It's bad. I mean, what is the motivation for writers or for other creative people to work? if they don't end up getting credit i mean that's a large issue the fact that india is not a country that protects intellectual property at all we think nothing of to be frank we think nothing of uh, pirating uh, books or movies or music or whatever and uh, therefore then we sit and wonder you know why don't we have better artists why don't we have more authors because it simply doesn't pay i mean so rampant on a larger picture it's a problem it hurts it hurts me am i scared that my books are going to be sold at traffic signals absolutely i mean if you hear the mathematics of the publishing business authors make very little money as it is unless you become sort of a global phenomenon or even a national phenomenon you need to sell several several thousand books before you can say i don't need to do my day job i can now become a full time writer so then another point did you consider going the publisher less route and going directly online and going to services like lulu which help you publish and all Did you even consider those options or no? In fact, I did. In fact, I was considering very strongly when I actually first started working on a book, which was in uh, mid-2006, which is when I first started working on a manuscript. I did think of it. Now, the problem with that is, uh, who knows, maybe today I would have done that if I thought of it today, in 2010. Right. But in 2006, there were too many problems. You know, there was still the question of uh, online transactions weren't particularly sacrosanct. In India, even today, from my little understanding of the books business, it's a hugely distribution-driven business. You need uh, distributors, you need stores to pick it up. It's much easier in the U.S. because you've got, I mean, it's, even there, the sort of independent bookstore culture, I believe, is declining. Right. But in India, it's, it's almost unheard of. I mean, if anybody is going to buy a book, except for some metro city, you're, you're probably going to go to the same one or two stores or part of a chain, a national chain of stores. And I think it still remains very difficult to self-publish. Sidhan, I also have another question. What is India's definition of uh, calling a book a bestseller? You see, in, the, in New York, you have New York Times bestseller, etc. So, would you, would you have any idea as to how many books do you have to sell to be called as a bestseller, officially? Let me sort of uh, put that in perspective. In, in the U.S., as far as I know, I mean, the caveat being I'm not a pundit on the publishing industry. So, I'm sort of telling you what I understand. In the U.S., there is Nielsen, there's something called the book scan, which sort of looks at how many books are sold. So if you look at the New York Times bestseller, that is based on how many books have been bought by a person across the counter for cash or for credit or whatever. I mean, it's a transaction. Mm-hmm. In India, it's very fluid. I mean, for example, if somebody says, you know, for, for publishing houses, we've sold so many thousand copies of this author, it could mean one of many things. It could mean that we've managed to convince bookstores to pick up so many copies. It does not necessarily mean that somebody bought it. It does not mean that the sale has been completed. Correct. It just could mean that it got into the retail chain. 
in other cases it could mean that somebody is gothic so there is no nationally sort of certified number now i know that three or four years ago if you saw 5000 copies of the best seller yes exactly i guess chetan bhagat 5.7 was declared as a best seller when he had uh, sold about 5000 odd copies and people were talking about our definition itself is a little flawed etc but abhishek this guy keeps on saying that he has sold millions of copies now he must have obviously because it's been a while but when he had started off i guess he was the so called celebrity writer the first indian writer who uh, got the mass appeal with the youth Okay, okay. So the first modern Indian author. So yes. I'm sure if you look at R.K. Narayan, he sold yes. hundreds of copies. I'm sure. I'm sure here there are comic books and Amar Chitra Katha. They're all which have so millions of copies. Absolutely. But for the first modern Indian writer to break the five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand barriers, and I think his biggest achievement. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to give credit for him. Is the fact that he took his book to India. I mean, he took it to not just the metro cities, but it was being sold everywhere. and i keep saying this you know you can disparage him there are writers who look down upon him that it's true for any creative profession but 10 years from now there will be authors who will call themselves hybrid or snobbish who will be glad that 10 years before them chetan bhagat took reading to all these cities oh really because you know these readers who probably start with chetan bhagat are going to be sophisticated they're going to start reading they're going to grow older and then suddenly you'll see that you know he's probably set the seat for a growing reading population in the years to come Yeah, and it's a big one, deal. It's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good point you brought about because I have known many friends who've never read any books, but they started off with this one, and uh, since then they haven't read much. But they said it was a book that a non-reader could uh, connect with. Many of the so-called critics said that the language used was very frivolous and all that, but really doesn't matter so long as you're selling copies and making some money uh, as a day job. Now, completely. Correct, correct. I mean, like I said, I mean these guys. Some of them will pick up, some of them won't pick up. Right. But it's nothing at all. He he rebooted the Indian book industry. To be really frank, he sort of rebooted it. Today, nobody is afraid of going and picking up a Swasti book or a Rupa book or whatever. You're not you're not afraid that you'll get a book you won't understand. There's plenty of books for all kinds of readers in the market now, and some of the credit should definitely go to him. But technically, we do you know Chopra is saying that we. I squeezed in his name somewhere in the end so according to the contract we stood by what we had signed abhishek you know what he was paid only 11 lakh rupees for the story and the film made about 230 crores now now think about it the movie itself is not a directorial genius or or a masterpiece it's got the same old jokes it was only the story that the entire movie is based on at the end he only got 11 lakhs for it you know do you think he is thinking that he got a raw deal in that sense i know this may sound cynical but my thing is it's very really sad that he sold the book to me if i remember reading the contract i remember reading it very quickly he sold it long time away he sold it what in 2005 or 2006 i think when they picked up the option for it right. so, yeah and if he yeah. not sold it then he probably made much much more money today And I think even out of that 11 lakhs, I'm not sure. I'm not a legal expert. I'm writing one lakh was what they agreed, and then they paid him another 10 lakh generally later Ooh. as an exclusive payment. It's sad that you know the course the book sold for 11 lakhs, but at the end of the day, when you sign a contract with a bad contract, it's a bad contract. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know if you ask me. I have no idea, but I would not be surprised if he got paid less money for three idiots than he got paid for hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And for the ones who are wondering what Hello was, I guess it was based on one of his books, uh, One Night yeah. at the Comedy Center. Nobody recalls that movie. Nobody does. If that's the amount of money he's made, it's, it's a pity. It's really sad. I mean, whatever you say, and I've not seen the movie or read his book, so I'm absolutely no authority to talk about it. Like, yeah. you have no right to talk about it. No, you know what? It, even if that is true, Veer Sangvi had carried one very good article the last Sunday in HT. He said that mm-hmm. what was lacking in this case was grace. 
Uh, he gave an I example agree. of uh, the Slumdog Millionaire when Danny Boyle got his Oscar. He went up on the stage and he publicly apologized for some choreographer who was not credited in his movie. He said, we are sorry to put your name up there. So he said that, look, uh, all that uh, money that Rajkumar Hirani and the likes got in this movie, they could have simply plugged his name in the initial credits and like, just given him 11 lakhs at the end of the day. Everybody would have been happy. But when yeah, absolutely. So in one of the press conferences, when someone asked Vidhuvino Chopra about this controversy, he asked him to shut up. Again, I don't want to sort of belabor the point, but the point is that, uh, correct, I mean, I thought Vidhu was completely correct. I mean, there was no grace in the way it was handled. Yeah. But see, at the end of the day, what happens, and I'm a normal, I'm not an intellectual, I'm a normal movie-watching guy. I've seen so many controversies about so many movies that conveniently flare up a week before it appears in theaters or two weeks after it comes. I'm not saying this is one of those. Yeah. But I think you just see so many of these, at the end of the day, you don't know who to trust. Right. So we're all cynical, so we decide, okay, might as well just enjoy the whole thing, go see the movie, read the book, do whatever. So, of course, I mean, as I think many people are expecting, it sort of fizzled out and then uh, everyone has moved on. Sadly, the point, I mean, I think I was reading something by uh, Peter Griffin, I think, who works for, uh, works, for a, works for Fortune magazine, he's also a well-known guy among the writers. He was saying the sad thing is, at the end of the day, it's going to be remembered as, uh, you know, Chetan Bhagat uh, got uh, completely outdone by the 3DH group and he had to apologize, he had to leave. While the larger issue of uh, creative people not getting credit for the work and the rampant case of plagiarism, it remains open and nobody wants to really talk about it. It's, not, it's a non-issue. Think about it, if it was a non-Chetan Bhagat, if it was not Chetan Bhagat who got up the issue, I don't think anybody would have cared. Yeah, exactly. It happens up yeah, to the folk songs as well. When our music directors very conveniently copy-paste the folk songs and uh, remix them, I don't think those people get any credit anyway. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, Amit Kumar from Bilaspur who had written the book and it was copied, I don't think anybody would have cared. Okay, at the end of the day, we are small fry, man. Writers are all small fry compared to Bollywood. Yeah. It's, it's hockey cricket difference, you know, so. Hockey cricket difference. Good that you bring that point up. We, uh, apparently, we don't have that um, story in the lineup. But yeah, we, we were going to talk about uh, that story as well, where the situation is such that hockey players are now actually having to demand for salaries and they have gone on strike, which is very sad. Well, it, it's true for every non-cricket sport, right? Yeah, they get sure. 36,000 rupees a month for somebody who works his way up to the national team, sweating it out, working his ass off, and then you pay him that much, then I think this, this was to come someday, and it has come now, but unfortunately, the Indian Hockey Federation has told them, 24 hours is all you've got, get your ass in line, otherwise we are going to fire you, which is even even worse. Oh, I mean, unfortunately, the A, there is no money in the sport at all. B, have you ever seen any non-profitable venture that is given to the government of India and hope they'll manage it for social good. Have you seen anything good come out of it ever? No, I mean, think about it. I mean, take any public thing, like education, primary education. I mean, there's no money to be made. The government has to do it for social good. School is all up. You know, I mean, you take hockey, take any non-cricket sport, any non-profit making thing, you give the government because you've got a social responsibility to do it. It runs it to the ground or it uh, passes, you know, like an endangered species or like a tiger or something. There's really no money to be made in protecting it. It gets screwed. I mean, if I remember correctly, this is not the first time this has happened to hockey players or any sport players. It's happened before. Right. I think the point also is that, see, we don't see athletes complaining like this. They, they, we don't hmm. see in India, we don't see them going on strikes. I think the point is that in hockey India is getting sponsorship money from Sahara. But it uh-huh. is just not reaching the players, and players are, are finally angry about that fact. Correct, correct. In fact, it's completely in tatters. If you remember, KPS Gill was in charge of uh, hockey, uh-huh. and there was this dramatic, you know, they shut down the federation in a dramatic fashion, and they brought in an interim group 
and uh, when clearly the interim group is also not working that is for the completely needs to be rebuilt for any respect to come back to it even the private parties you know had a go at it espn star tried to have yes, i remember i remember in hockey league and all even they they, they couldn't do it Could i mean a, a lot of money was pumped in by img and espn star but for some i, I think it, it's just not a spectator sport anymore in india you know it was no no i mean it is the thing is but but it's not it, not the 50000 it's not like 50000 people will come and watch it maybe 10. no you know it's a good point because if you think about the analysis we are doing i think one thing clearly comes out is that that indian don't really like in, to see indians playing other indians ah exactly yeah you know I mean, even if cricket i mean how many domestic matches anybody who really cares for domestic matches india abcd matches Now what about the international you, even the world cup doesn't draw enough uh, audience to be sponsored for the hockey so i guess india is not winning enough because i i will not agree completely aditya with you because if it's a 90 odd minute game it's clearly less than 2 hours so if if that cannot hold your attention and it's a fast game like soccer no it's a great game i've seen a couple of live hockey matches it's a great fun to watch i mean there's nothing wrong with it. i think we just need more international participation we need to hmm. you know win stuff and beat people and have big audacious enemies to defeat and there need there need to be more drama in it there yeah, need some audacious talent need some big rude pakistanis to beat us some big rude I mean, for example, you know, do I do an India-Australia match right now, dude? I think it should be, should be interesting. <laughs> uh, well, on that point, on the Australia point, you know, S. N. Krishna, our um, external affairs minister, has issued a notice asking Indian students to be be aware of privileged professional courses being conducted in Australia, and he has also issued an advisory, travel advisory, and asking people to, you know. not go alone or not carry big amount of money along with them or something i mean it's pretty embarrassing when a, a developing country issues and a travel advisory to its citizens in a developed country you know it thoda sa dhabba lag jata hai i'm not trying to plug a mint story here but there's a column by a colleague of mine anil patmanabhan sort of heads are economics and politics uh, he wrote a nice column saying uh, the, the tragedy of all this is this happened during pravasi bharatiya divas hmm. uh, exactly yeah that's going on you know it happened while this function was happening in delhi while they were celebrating overseas indians and so on this is the problem is there are, there are two there are clearly two pravasi bharatiyas bharatiya people right there is a high profile sort of silicon valley multimillionaire pravasi bharatiya who is honored at these events who does not need the government even to help him right and then there is the other you know the sort of the middle east gulf construction workers masons oil rig workers sort of students doing frivolous courses and uh, nobody seems to care about them. and the whole hoopla we do about the foreign indian language essentially addresses people who don't need the help from the government of india see i mean sm krishna's point don't go there and do frivolous courses i think see, why better do a frivolous course in australia than do a frivolous course in india i'm assuming that's what the students think yeah, <laughs> his, his his statement would have taken a lot of students by surprise and they wouldn't like him he said that i was shocked to see students had gone there to study courses that they don't need to like hair styling and he decided what is good and what is not for the students i'm not sure that works because australia happens to be the second uh, country that india goes to after america for for higher studies so it's a sizable population goes there no this is the case you know i have a course let me cut my nose off you know it's that sort of mentality we can't protect them so your fault that you went there and got beat up there is clearly a problem there and we're handling it very badly right and also and uh, they are saying that uh, it's not racism this happens in any big city like new york los angeles or mumbai so it's happening in melbourne too because there are certain bad elements so don't uh, attribute this to racism but it's uh, just another crime that happens in big cities uh, i don't know how to take that one though 
I don't know. I mean, hey, we don't have the statistics to see how many non-Indians get beaten up versus Indians get beaten up. I mean, I, I don't think these are crime rampant cities. Right. But like everybody said, I don't think the media is also doing justice to the whole issue. Where do these Indians live? Do they live in crime-prone areas? Do are they ghettoing themselves? Because that's a clear case for that's calling for trouble. If you want to live only where other Indians live, yeah, they're calling for trouble. I mean, that that's that's sort of bad if you're living abroad. These are all issues. I don't think SM Krishna deciding that you know. um uh, increasing the quality of uh, our foreign our foreign education demand is the way to fight racism i don't think is the right way while we are on this topic i am going to be meeting with uh, mr neville roche tomorrow and doing a recording of point blank he was awarded the pravasi bharatiya award uh, last year and he is on the prime minister's um, you know advisory board he, you know he he is here talking at uh, the pravasi bharatiya event and all those things and i'm going to be talking to him about australia he is from australia he has received the the highest civilian award in australia and all those things so he might be able to give us some ground reality right now we are just talking sitting in india and but let's see what what he comes up with i'm really excited absolutely and if you're meeting we should also ask him now we celebrate pravasi bharatiya divas we sort of showcase these people give them awards whatever around the same time that you know there are people clearly being targeted at least it looks like they're being targeted in australia there are people who have to stow away themselves in an aeroplane from the middle east because they don't have a way to come back home where people say that uh, there are indians who live in quasi bonded labor conditions in the gulf what about those people we know it's happening it's been happening for decades and we cannot gloss over that and hope that you know as long as we only talk about silicon valley indians there's still indians in the world of fun that's not true correct let's see let's see i'll you know all these interesting points are going to come up let's see how it goes let's move on to the next story and our story lineup has been completely screwed here okay so i am finding a way to transition to the story but there isn't isn't a way <laughs> you can see you can see that i'm at a, are you saying are you saying that you have very low visibility on today's story oh ah, shavak aha fog has been causing havoc in delhi absolutely and yeah. uh, who else then sirin sirin you are in delhi right now so Oh, thankfully today is not a bad day, but I wish we'd be doing this recording two days ago. Two days ago, it was absolutely horrible. There was less than six feet of visibility. I was driving back from work. At some point, I just got out of the cab, and I walked, and the cab came behind me because he couldn't see anything. <laughs> but then, of course, I'm not. I'm not. See, I'm not making this up. As you can see, this one podcast will give you 15 ideas for ridiculously funny books. <laughs> it, it's horrible. It's just terrible. And there's you no know, lighting. The street lights were off. It's just terrible. I mean, I found my way home only because I knew that one of the societies next to my house was designed like a Rajasthani haveli. Oh, really? Oh, so, so it was looming in the in the I think the fog I could see, you know, informs and spires and so on. So I just uh, and as you know, Delhi just comes to a standstill when this thing happens. In in, in Mumbai, we would uh, we'll probably smell the garbage bin that is on the uh, crossroads and say, yeah, this is this is where my house. Delhi is probably mugged or driven over by a car or something, but. <laughs> This has been a problem for the last what four five years now. The fog. Yeah. You are surprised by the fact that a uh, four five year problem hasn't been solved. <laughs> yeah, like, wait, Aditi, you are in Bombay, right? That, that's true. That's true. Okay. Yeah, okay. See, I, if anybody comes and says, "Why don't they do anything in Delhi? Don't they know it's going to fog?" I have a simple thing. It rains every year in Bombay. Uh, I I knew that. I, I saw that coming, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it does not. It's not like a surprise. You wake up in the morning and say, "Oh my God!" No, but raining in Bombay? No, it rains all the time. And 15 minutes after it starts raining, millions of people are underwater. <laughs> so no, but my question: 
let me get this equation is this fog or is this smog as we say is, is it because no, of fact, good question no, I, I was thinking of that myself but I'm not clear I was asking around some people is it because of you know sort of suspended pollution but no I don't know I mean I have no idea it's but from, from what I could see it just looked like really thick fog it didn't look like pollution to me but I'm no expert I mean there are theories that you know because of a lot of construction happening there's a lot of suspended particulate matter that sort of precipitates fog oh my god <laughs> Delhi is clearly not prepared. Yeah, the airport isn't prepared. Uh, Streetlights aren't prepared. I don't think drivers are prepared. Yeah, apparently airlines have a lack of Category 3 compliant aircraft, which are basically, uh, you know, unable to land in foggy conditions. You remember the ad that HCL says that we can, we help companies land in zero visibility? That, right. that, that software basically has not been installed on uh, a lot of these air, uh, aircraft. Or they were not referring to Delhi. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And, and uh, uh, it's, it's a little too cold out there for your comfort, right? It's about 4-5 degrees. How How is the cold? Because in Mumbai, we never have experienced wearing a sweater. So we don't know how it feels like. If you're a fat guy, if you're a fat guy, you like winters because you can blame jackets. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I totally, I love the winter. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an excuse to sort of dress shabbily inside and then put a cool jacket and go to work. Yeah, it's quite cold, it's quite cold. It's, hmm. uh, there are, uh, they say it's 4, but it feels a little warmer than that, but... Uh, today it's better, but it's been very cold. I mean, all day outside is cold. It should be it should be hovering around. I think practically it's around an average of 12, then sort of cools down to 7. Very cold. It's much colder than last year. An average Mumbai girl would shiver in, in Delhi climate. Yeah, totally. No, average Mumbai girl would just die. <laughs> I would think that if you step out of a Bombay-Delhi flight, you would die before you hit the tarmac. <laughs> No, you know what, I would uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I'll tell you something silly that happened in office today. Some guy called up one of his uh, colleagues in Delhi from Mumbai. And after talking, he started sneezing. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and someone said, <laughs> But you know, the, oh, people living in Delhi have got some weird problems. We had... Uh, one of our colleagues fly down to Mumbai the other day. He's a bachelor. And he, he was saying that, Yaar, kapde sukte nahi. Yaar, teen din se. <laughs> you guys have just reminded me that my wardrobe is in a complete mess because it just doesn't dry. It just remains wet all the time. Uh, well, I guess you guys must have gotten used to it now. It's been a while, right? It's been about uh, a month uh, since the climate has been that inclement. Yeah, it's been a month. It's been a month. You still don't get used to it. When you wake up in the morning, it's just terrible sometimes. It's so cold, right? You're lying, you're lying, you're sitting somewhere, you're lying in bed, whatever. And if you move, if you've been still for a while and you move, the rest of the bed is frozen. <laughs> uh, we've been talking for the past 30 minutes. Do you guys want to continue and take on the uh, bikini story in Goa? Oh, maybe we'll keep it for the next time. What do you think? No, I have bikini, Goa, and I don't want to kill, you know, you it like that. Let, let's, just, let's just cover it quickly. So Goa is trying to work on its uh, sex tourism destination image and is trying to turn into a family holiday destination and has decided to ban all bikini-clad, uh, holdings that have bikini beads on them. Beautiful way to ward that off. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think I think we just lost Sidin on online. Uh, but anyway, let's just complete this story. Yeah, so Goa wants to rebrand itself now. Very awkward question for a kid who's driving with his dad out on Goa streets when the dad is staring up at the bikini-clad hoardings. <laughs> yeah, but is this really going to help? Come on. Goa, if there is a word association test, Goa, it's not actually bikini, but it's 
it's having a good time uh, the, yeah yeah the important thing is they are not banning bikinis on the beaches they are just banning scantily clad women on advertisement holdings absolutely like, do you want to you know goa attracts 12% of all foreign visitors in india do you want to i mean kill the tourism out there in goa why do you think they come there because it's a good time they, they get some sun tan and uh, especially during the time when london is at 30 minus 30 degrees it's a good time for people to take a vacation they come down to places like india and the subcontinent and goa is uh, one of the places and spend the social security checks ah uh, yes ah well uh well that's about it those are the topics that we had uh, unfortunately we lost uh, sidin and had to leave him out of the bikini conversation i'm pretty sure he might have had a lot to add in there but uh, let's see it was good to have him on his book which is coming out soon in uh, delhi first is called dark and um, his facebook community is already up there i'll post the link on uh, our website to that thanks a lot uh, to him for contributing to our stories So I'll post a link to that community of his, and you can go check it out. Go check the book out, buy it. Uh, I, I think he has a few signed copies that he's selling. So you can also follow him on Twitter. He is available at Sidin, which is S I D I N. I am at A C Mahatre Abhishek. I am at Abhishek Kumar with a single K. And also don't 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 forget to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. or via any of the other rss feed reader that you might be using uh, you can also listen to us uh, by dialing a simple phone number now this is a us only number for now we are trying to work, get you an india number the number is 12024045646 that is how easy it is just dial 20240045646 local uh, standard charges for a us number will apply from wherever you are calling and our website again is www.theindicast.com bye 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 bye